Petey, guess what? What? Blue Chew has decided to sponsor the Wrestling Perspective. They've been a good friend to the Dugcast with James Ellsworth. They figured, hey, we're doing such a good job. Let's bring Petey Williams in because if anybody knows anything about uh, getting the job done in the uh, bedroom, wink, wink, it's Petey Williams. Hey, and you know what? I mean, we're going to probably need some blue chew on the north side of the border. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't even know if it's legal in Canada, but we're going to have to do something to get it legalized up there. Well, let me tell you something. You know, they always say don't drink the water in Canada, right? No, that's Mexico, but go ahead. And you're going to Mexico then. (laughs) Next week, yes, but go ahead. You can take blue chew with you because it's the first chewable mill enhancement talent. You don't need water to swallow it down. I don't know about you, PD, but I am not a good pill taker. I, I I turn into like a six-year-old with the water and I'm trying to drink it anytime I get a headache. Blue chew is perfect for me when I got to get the job done in the bedroom. Hey, well, blue chew is going to start being perfect for me when I need to get the job done in the bedroom. Uh, Maybe round two, round three, round four, who knows? That's right. Uh, As we said, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Go to bluechew.com. Like the color blue, bluechew.com brings you the first chewable, as we said, with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. Visit bluechew.com. Get your first shipment free. Use the special promo code Ellsworth. I thought we'd keep it the same for both of it. Ellsworth, it works. Use that promo code Ellsworth. Just pay $5 for shipping. Petey, it comes fast. Uh, On the last podcast we did, I did a pre-record where I talked about how I used it for the first time. I actually used it. I can speak on it. Uh, Well, I mean, that's probably going to be a private conversation that we're going to have because I'm going to hear all about it. But going back to it, you said uh, it comes fast in the mail, I'm assuming, but that is what she said. Let me tell you, (laughs) she didn't say it that night. Normally, (laughs) normally it's a race and I finish first. It's almost like, and I wish I could remember Lex Luger, Class of the Champions, where it was like the quickest wrestling match ever in uh, WCW NWA. Uh, normally it's like that. She's she's throwing me up and hitting me with the Canadian Destroyer. I'm down for the count one, two, three. I never, never get past the number one contender. I started taking Blue Chew, and let me tell you something. Not only am I the number one contender in my own bedroom, but I'm hitting Canadian Destroyers. I'm hitting elbows from the top rope. Petey, I'm getting the clean one, two, three in the middle of the bed. Nice. I mean, I might have to rename the Canadian Destroyer because that move finishes everything. I might have to rename it the Blue Chew. <laughs> I love it. That That's cool. So right now, as I said, special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code Ellsworth. Pay just $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Ellsworth. Try it for free. Petey, you'll be tweeting it out. I'll be tweeting it out. You'll help the podcast if you go over to Blue Chew and just try it. You don't have to take it. Just use the promo. It's five bucks. You're paying, what, 20 bucks for a wrestling t-shirt? Why don't you pay for something that'll uh, enhance your street cred in the bedroom if you get what I mean? Not your street cred, your bedroom cred. Your bed cred. Oh, there bed it is. Cred. We <laughs> just, 
Yep, trademark, bed cred. All right, guys, uh, let's move on with the show. All right, PD, this week I've been expi- I've been excited to welcome on this week's guest, somebody that has been more kind to me than I probably deserve when I follow you around backstage at the Impact Tapings. Pete, I'm going to step back and let you introduce our guest of honor this week. Yeah, so I've known this guy for uh, many years. Um, I'm trying to think when I first ran into him altogether, but uh, I think we kind of bonded back in Toronto uh, some years ago. Um, he knows the business inside and out. I could tell just based on that that one interaction I had with him in Toronto. But it's my pleasure to introduce to my good friend, um, one half of the Crist brothers, Dave Crist. Dave, what's going on, man? Not too, uh, not too much. How about yourself? How was your day? Dry. I, I'm dry. I don't know about you. Um, I'm so. <laughs> my, my day has been good. Uh, Dennis, I want to field the first question, all right? I'm, I'm stepping back. It's all yours. All right. So, Dave, I know you guys um, down in Ohio, Ohio versus everything, all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to talk about the school first off. I heard you have, like, um, when I picture this school, like, you have the guys living with and stuff like that, you know, like kind of like a dojo. But what I picture, honestly, is, like, have you ever seen the movie Fight Club? I picture you guys living in a big mansion like that. Uh, probably more upkeep and stuff like that, but there's a wrestling ring in there somewhere maybe. Can you like kind of describe it and like say how many guys live with you and all that kind of stuff and what like your your routine is for the day or the week? I really wish that we had a ring in my house. That would be absolutely amazing, but unfortunately we don't. But my gym is uh I would say about 5 minutes away from my house. So you know, it's it's pretty much uh it's pretty much in my house, but not really in my house. Uh, the usual routine, there are nine of us who live there. Uh, there Ooh. are, there's one room that's called the young boy room. And uh, that okay. has uh, four different bunk beds in it. So that's where the majority of the young boys live. We have five bedrooms in the house. And, uh, you know, right now, currently, like I said there's nine of us. We have nine plus three dogs plus one cat. Uh, this, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> How does your fiance deal with this? Does does she live in the house with the young boys too? Uh, yeah, yeah. She, but the thing is, is there's a lot of people, but nobody is ever home. So See, everybody like the whole concept behind and then they- uh, the the wrestling house is I want to be able to uh, provide a place for young young upstart wrestlers. You know, to come in, and I only charge them one hundred twenty dollars a month. They—that's for everything. Uh, they come in. They—they they, there's one one goal. There's one rule, and the one rule is wrestling comes as long as you're you know wrestling three or four days a week and coming to training on Mondays and Tuesdays and doing rock star shows on Wednesday. I, I really don't care what you do, but you know you have to dedicate yourself to wrestling. And, um, I built a gym in my garage, so I have everything at your fingertips. Literally everything at your fingertips. I have I have a guys get meals from people, uh, different meal offers, and different you know, meal deals as far as like getting money off of uh, you know meals and things like that. Uh, I let them train. Usually, 
Uh, I'm usually up each day around 6, 6.30. I usually stretch for about an hour. I uh, lift from one point to another. Usually it's around 9 a.m. from 9 to about noon. I'm out there like wrestling or out there uh, lifting and getting my cardio in. And then uh, usually just uh, shooting, shooting the breeze with the boys, talking about wrestling and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, we have Rockstar. So usually we have about two or three hours worth of downtime where you know we, we watch wrestling or we talk about wrestling or we have debates about you know, sports or whatever, which most of the kids that live with me are really dumb when it comes to sports. So it's not really much of a debate. It's really just me informing them <laughs> how things were better back in the day than they are now. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, that, that whole debate. I, and I, that's where you and I first bonded at the Impact Tapings was over sports. Let me ask you about you and your brother. Who has the most wrestling seniority out of you both right now? Uh, well, theoretically, he started, he started two weeks before me. But then I took nine months off when I had my knee surgery. And then he took uh, about a year and a half off when he had a second kid. Wow. So I, I would say that we got about around the same number. Do, do you guys ever debate who Thanks. who the uh, the shot caller is? Who the what? The, the shot caller in the group is. You know, usually a tag team or a group kind of has the one guy that, that takes the lead. Do you guys go back and forth on it, being that you're real-life brothers here? How does that dynamic work when it comes to booking and managing and working uh, OVE? Well, usually uh, he lets me take care of all the bookings. Like, legitimately, he's a family man. So when he goes home, it's it's he concentrates on nothing but rest or concentrate nothing but his family. Like he doesn't really do a lot of stuff with wrestling outside of being at the shows. If that makes any sense at all. So I I handle all of our bookings, uh, and then you know when we when we're discussing stuff and and all that kind of stuff, usually it's just uh, you know me. He usually wanders off, and then you know I'll I'll talk and he'll come back and then. You know, I'll fill him in on what the conversation was about, and then uh, that we pretty much go from there. All right. Now if that makes sense. No, so real life, yeah, real life brothers. You don't see that too often in wrestling, um, and especially not as a as a. Well, maybe it might start off as a tag team, but usually though they're separate ways or whatever. They're years apart, all that kind of stuff. So my question is, and I'm sure you've been asked this question so many times, but let's say there was like a, like a perfect storyline. Uh, you guys are an impact, uh, and then they, you guys are getting the super big heat or whatever the case may be, and then they say, hey, we want you guys to split up. H- how would you guys like deal with that? Would you guys be okay with that? You guys have always been together. I, I don't even – I mean, I've wrestled Jake in a singles match, and you guys have done singles match before, but would you guys be like, yeah, it's, it's time for us to split up? I, I would say that, uh, that I wouldn't want to waste it. So as long as it made sense and there was money to be made, I'd be totally down to do it. But you know, there, there have been a couple places that asked us to do it. And, you know, it was just, yeah, we, we want to break you guys up and have you guys feud. And it's like, okay, well, what's the, what's the story? Like, you know, what, what are we doing? Like, oh, there's no stories. It's just you guys wrestling each other. 
I was like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do that because I, I feel like when you separate two brothers, there has to be a good a good story behind it. And, you know, I think there's money to be made with that. So why would you just waste it? Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, I know some uh, groups or brothers or whatever, they'd be like, no, absolutely not. Like we wouldn't split like, you know, the Buckley's or brothers and stuff like that. Like some of them are like, yeah, yeah I'm for it if it makes sense. And some of them are like, no, absolutely not. We're not going to do it. Uh, not right now, anyways. But well, uh, yeah, I, I, was I think curious. as of right now, there's more money to be made with us as a team as opposed to us wrestling each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys have been with Impact for, like, uh, I think just over a year now. I think you guys started, I, I believe, in last August when I when I came back to Impact. And I mean, you guys are at the, the the beginning of your career. You guys are so hot, OVE right now with Sammy and all that stuff. And then all your other guys are coming in, like uh, Zachary Wentz and Ace Austin. And uh, I know Desmond's one of your guys, but he's already been with the company. So Ohio's all over the place. I mean, you guys have some steam right now. So I don't see it. Um, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I mean, unless you you feel different. Oh no, I definitely don't see it coming. Can I? I think we're going to keep steamrolling through. I, the you know, Petey, you brought up something very interesting about when they came in and the fact that Sammy has been paired with you guys. Can you talk to me a little bit about what your interaction with Sammy before that was, and your thoughts when they came to you guys, or if you presented it to Impact on how the teaming of Sammy Callahan and OVE came together? Well. Uh... It started from humble beginnings. Uh, young Callahan uh, walked into HWA, uh, Heartland Wrestling Association, a big, fat, floppy mess that he was, 300 and probably 20 pounds of him. He was cannonball Callahan at that point in time. Um, we saw him, saw him down at HWA. He uh, was originally trained by Shark Boy. Shark Boy was running a school where, like, he would train you for like eight weeks or whatever. They'd send you, send you on your way, and then you were a pro wrestler or whatnot. So he furthered his education with uh, Matt Stryker, Nigel McGinnis, uh, Cody, us, and all those guys down at HWA. And uh, he got paired up with John Moxley or uh, Dean Ambrose uh, for a long time. And it was kind of funny because, you know, at the start of John Moxley's career, he was paired off with me and my brother for a good solid year and a half with an, another dude named uh, Jimmy Turner. Uh, they had a tag team called Unnecessary Roughness. So Jimmy Turner got into some trouble, and then Sammy kind of entered in there, and then Sammy just kind of became his, uh, his lackey at that point in time. So I, I saw something in Sammy. I was like, you know, this kid drives from Belfound all the time, which Belfound to Cincinnati is probably two, two and a half hours. He was there three, four days a week. So I could tell that he wanted it. So then we started taking him on the road. And uh, once we started taking him on the road and I realized how he's a terrible driver, I never let him drive my car again. <laughs> it's like he's, he's coming onto the on-ramp. He's legitimately coming on the on-ramp doing 40 or 50 miles an hour, just gunning it. I'm, we're in my brand-new SUV. I just got like a... Like a, I think it was like a 2008 uh, Ford Explorer, and he almost rear-ends a, uh, a semi, and I was like, nope, pull over. Get your ass out of my car. Pull over. Made him sit in the back of the trunk or whatever. 
needless to say, he uh, did not get represented well at wrestler's court, and he became uh, he became my uh, my lackey on the road there for a little bit. But then uh, me and Sammy started running a company in Bell Fountain shortly after that called American Lucha Corps, where we uh, you know we were booking a lot of different talent from a lot of different places. Like we we booked like uh, Tyler Black, uh, Jimmy Jacobs. Uh, we tried to use Petey a couple times, but Petey was always so busy at that point in time that we couldn't get him in. But uh, we just we just clicked. Like there was just we were into horror movies. We were into like uh, really crappy pop punk. So it was like you know we just became instantly brothers. And then um, he kind of went to the East Coast. We tried to talk for a little bit. Then uh, one day, Sammy was like, yeah, I'm going to start coming back to the Midwest more often. Is it cool if I crash at your house? And I was like, yeah, dude, I got to tell you about this thing that I just, that, like, I, I just started, you know, toying around with. Tell me what you think. And he goes, okay. And I go, so I was watching this documentary about serial killers, uh, me and my ex-girlfriend at the time. And it said that Ohio had the highest, you know, you know, the highest uh, serial killer rate uh, per capita than any other state in America. So I was like, I looked at her and I was like, well, I guess Ohio's for killers. And it kind of just like clicked. So I was like, Sammy, I'm going to do this thing called OI4K. Ohio is for killers. What do you think? And then me, him, and my brother just kind of ran with it from that point on. That was 2010. So we've been a group since 2010. And when they started talking about bringing Sammy in, there was a conversation about Sammy coming into Impact. I don't, I don't, I think the the initial plan right away was to put him with us. I don't think there was a another plan. Like if if there was, I was unaware of that. But I knew that Sammy wanted to be with us. We wanted him to be with us. He came in. He came a couple times when we first started when we were doing some stuff in Orlando, and he was talking to Jeff. I talked to a couple other people, but they just didn't seem like they were very interested in them at the time. And then uh, I think we were in, uh, um, it was last November, they they finally brought him in. And, you know, we got that shock value of no one knew he was coming. And then he just kind of helped us beat LAX. And the rest is, uh, is history, as they say. Pete? Yeah, so um, moving on from that, uh, I, I know the last half of that story, what you said when you said the, le- the rest is history, because I was there for that in November uh, at, at Bound for Glory and all that, and that was awesome. Like, And that's when you guys made your heel turn, too, because you guys were yeah. were baby faces. But I remember when uh, we first, not not met, but like kind of got back together back in August, you, you were pretty beat up. Like You had like some serious back problems that were getting worse and all that kind of stuff, but then when I last spoke with you, uh, like last month or the month before, you said you were doing a lot better. So, so where are you at with your progress? Like, talk about your injury and stuff like that. And, like, are you like ninety percent, eighty percent, fifty percent, like all that kind of stuff? Well, um, so not this past February, but the February before that, I uh, took a cutter from Phoenix and I scorpioned myself, and, and I end up. Uh, end up suffering a four bulging disc. Uh, it's like, 
the L4, L5, L3, and then S1 were all bulged. So I, w- I was still trying to fight through it, still trying to you know work through it or whatever. But it was like really rough. Like running and jumping was like really rough. But like you know, I still got through it. I still got through everything. But there would be some times where it got a little bit worse. There'd be some times when things got a little bit, you know, a little bit better. And then I got thrown over the top rope by Moose, and he he gave me a little bit too much mustard, if you will. And the back of my hips ended up hitting the uh, the apron, and it popped my hip out of place. So it dislocated my hip, and because of my disc, my chiropractor couldn't pop my my hip back into place. So I was wrestling with the bulging disc and the dislocated hip. So that was like probably July of... No, that would have been January of this year. Uh, January of this year when that happened. But since then, I started uh, decompression therapy and then just went to regular physical therapy. And uh, I just recently had another MRI and they told me that... I'm down to one bulging disc, and it's about, he said, he said it was probably three or four millimeters uh, sticking out still, but it, the S1 is the hardest one to try to try to get sucked back in, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's the hardest one to rehab, and that's the hardest one to heal. Now, I'll never be 100% healed. I always have... Um, I always had that chance of the jelly, you know, escaping or whatnot. It's how my my doctor uh, described it to me. But you know, as of right now, like I have full feeling in my feet. I can run. I can jump. Like things are things are getting back to normal. So I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm always curious with a wrestler's life after wrestling plan. We've seen the generation before us where it just seemed like almost everybody has mismanaged their money, drug addiction. There's very few feel-good stories that came out of the 80s, 90s, maybe even the 70s. What have you personally done to ensure that you have a future outside of wrestling? Well, uh, I co-own a company called Scarlet Engraved. It is a clothing company. Uh, me and my partner Tracy own it together. Uh, that's really started to pick up a lot of steam. Uh, I'm really creative, so I'm hoping that after I'm done in ring stuff, I'm hoping that like I could do something creatively in wrestling. And I feel like I always will have a hand in training. I, I love training people. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I think I always have a hand in training, and I always have a hand in in trying to help produce or, you know, something creative-wise with wrestling. Um, and, of course, you know, with the clothing line, all that kind of stuff. I'm always trying to do different things. I'm always trying to find different avenues to try to make money, to try to save money. Like, what's really crazy is, um, so I get, I get all my checks direct deposited to, to my bank account, and I don't know if this is, just mentally I say this to myself so I don't do it or if it's way too lazy to go to the bank. <laughs> so I haven't touched anything from impact. 
like everything that I live off of is just straight off of merch and straight off of uh, just bookings. So everything that I've made from Impact, it's just sitting in my bank account. Wow. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's Dennis. I mean, how many people could say they've done that? Actually, you know who does that? And I might, might be uh, spilling the beans, but uh, Scott Demore actually does the same thing. Uh, he told me back when he uh, was working, first time he went to work for Impact, all the Impact stuff that he has just goes into a bank account because he has his other businesses and stuff. So, I mean, that's smart. But um, I'd kick myself if I didn't ask you about this or bring it up. So going back to November, um, I remember that barbed wire massacre match you guys had in Ottawa. And that was, I yeah. mean, Dave, I'm sure you remember. You got to the back, and I was there too, like right at the back. Like everybody was clapping and saying that was effing awesome. And hugging you guys, and well, you guys are all bloody and stuff. But you know, we're trying to hug you and all that stuff. And so, okay, that with that match, it was. I saw some stuff in there that I've, I, you know, I think I've seen it all in wrestling. You know, I've been around for a long time, but I've seen some like that stuff with the, with the the barbecue uh, skewers that you guys used, and among other stuff. Like, who, whose ideas were those? Was it like uh, you guys and LAX, or did you guys have a lot of those innovative ideas, or? Like, uh, how, how, like, explain that all to me. Well, the skewer thing came from uh, Masada. I don't know if you're familiar with Masada or not, but that's Masada's thing. So uh, I had a match at CZW against David Starr where uh, he stuck me with skewers and then I stuck him with skewers and I gave him my DDT with the skewers in his head. Uh And uh, Anjay saw that Sanjay saw that, and he's like, I really want you guys to use these skewers. Like, if you don't mind, I would like you to use them. And I, this was like maybe, I'm going to say it was maybe the August tapings or something along those lines, or whatever tapings they were. I don't remember which tape it was, because we were in Orlando when he asked me about it. And I said jokingly, yeah, no problem, I could do that. Because I didn't think that we would actually do it. And then, you know, we get there, and he's just like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm in. Whatever. I don't know. I just kind of feel like uh, with creatively, it was just with LAX, it was so easy to have good stuff with LAX because they have such a great mind for the business. They have, they're so creative, and they're so uh, selfless with their bodies. They give you their bodies. And they trust you 100% with their bodies. And my, me, my brother, and Sammy are the same way. Uh, we're going to trust you 100%. And I will give you my body. Just please take care of it. But I don't think there was any taking care of each other. Now we just, I think we just all wrecked each other. Wow. That's, that, that's like sent chills up my spine. I remember that match. Watch it. And, and then I think I even text P like, did they actually die in that match? What was the morning after like for you after that match? The morning after, well, I mean, there was no morning after. Like, we immediately, we didn't even stay up. Like, our flight was at, uh, I think, 5 a.m., so we had to uh, be at the airport by, I think, 3.34. So we went, to the, we went to the after party, got bandaged up, went to the after party, and then and I went home, and then, you know, that, that day, I didn't get any sleep that day. Usually whenever I come home from wrestling trips, 
I will stay up. Even if I hadn't slept, I will stay up that entire day so it doesn't mess up my sleep schedule. That wasn't the worst part. I think, I think PD will tell you this. Uh, I was sitting on the ground, and they were trying to clean the uh, skewer wounds, and one of the, uh, one of the EMTs accidentally poured the bottle of alcohol on my, my head. It was so bad. That was the worst pain that I've ever felt in my life. Wow. <laughs> that uh like getting the getting the skewers was less painful than the alcohol. And even when uh, I believe when Conan poured the tequila on my head, that was another really intense moment. It's like you can see in my eye, like someone was like Oh, that looked real. I was like, oh, because it, uh, it was. That was tequila. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. Uh, listen, I know you have to get going. You had a, a little inside baseball. This might be released a little bit later in the week. You both are going to Mexico City for the impact tapings. You are on your way home from, I'm not sure if I should say sorry or congratulations, but uh, the Browns tied in week one of the NFL. You were at the game. Yeah, you, you, there was a picture of you, and you don't strike me as a poncho kind of guy. I would have envisioned you out there it, it just absorbing the rain and going nuts. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, that would have been me, but I'm a little bit more reserved now. Like, I, I started thinking to myself, I'm like, man, that rain's going to be cold. <laughs> I'm going to have a poncho. This coming from the guy that just talked about taking skewers to the head and vodka and, and alcohol in that face, and he's afraid of a little <laughs> yeah, rain. Well, yeah, a little. yeah, that's different. Wow, that's way different. So, uh, quick little baseball before I, or football before I let you go. Uh, were you happy with the game today? Um. So I was very happy with the game. A lot of people were unhappy with the result of the game, but tie or not, that's not what I was. That's not what I was happy about. The fact that we had six takeaways, and I say we like I played on the team, <laughs> but that's cool. I'm yeah, I'm a Browns fan, but they they had six takeaways. The defense I felt looked amazing. I mean, there, there, they had a little bit of a uh, little bit of an issue, you know, stopping the run at uh, every now and again. But I would say from the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, they just made so many crucial stops. Where if you were a Browns fan, you knew that with two minutes left in the third quarter, you were screwed because the Browns stopped playing defense in the fourth quarter completely. So seeing that. The, the Browns kept working hard and they kept fighting through and they kept and they kept pushing. You know, I, I felt like there was just it, it put a lot of hope. And the fact that uh, Josh Gordon had what two weeks of of training camp coming into it, and he was able to make that spectacular catch to uh, to tie up the game. That to me, those are all positive things. Those are things you wouldn't have seen last year, two years ago, or three years ago, it was, okay, so we need to figure out how to, how to make this work. Like, there's a lot of people that were instantly trying to say that they should get rid of Tyrod, and, and it, it's time for, for uh, Baker. And I was just like, no, nah, like, I, I felt like 
Tyrod did not do very – he didn't do very bad at all. I think that with it being as rainy and as cold as it was, both quarterbacks had a hard time throwing the ball. And I, I feel like Tyrod is very good with his feet, and I think he's very good with his arms. So I would just – I'm very optimistic about the way that the Browns are going to end up uh, doing this year. Uh, I said to my friend, uh, my friend Bork here, I said, just keep one in mind. All you have to do is think about one. Whether it's one win or first place in the division, just think of one. Just the number one. And that's all you really need to do as a Browns fan is just think of one. It, it could be one game at a time. It could be one win. It could be one tie. We're already better than we were last year. So, uh, yeah. I know, I'm Absolutely. just very happy. So, hey, good luck to the Cleveland Browns this year. I know Dennis and I, we're going to be watching our, uh, well, he already watches New England Patriots, but we'll be watching our Detroit Lions uh, tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. But uh, I know you already talked about your clothing line that you have outside of wrestling. Uh, but where can, uh, Dave, where can people find your, your wrestling merchandise if they want to pick it up? Uh, you can check it out at OI4K Academy. Uh, backslash Instagram or the Dave Chris on Instagram and uh, Twitter. I'm always, you know, awesome. putting out whenever I have new merch. You hit me up. Also, I need uh, Jones Jr. to uh, put together a pretty good game for me tomorrow. That was so I can uh, get this victory. My uh, fantasy football league. <laughs> I'll call. Yeah, him. We, we all need help in fantasy right now. <laughs> oh Lord, yes. Yeah. But Dave, thank you, man, for giving some time out of your night to talk some wrestling and football, and I I can't wait to have you as more of a mainstay on this podcast. Hey, I'm anytime you guys want me, I'm here for it. Oh, don't say that; it'll be every week now. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, maybe right, next hey. time we'll talk less about wrestling and more about football. I can make that happen. I know the guy who does this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. All right, PD, that was that was a fun interview. Dave has always been super cool to me, and uh, one of those guys I would call probably behind you my second favorite person in the Impact locker room. Well, thank you. Um, no, Dave's a um, super cool guy. I've always gotten along with him. I've told the story before, uh, and I didn't get into it on the interview where – you know, one of the first times I kind of really like hung out with them was uh, when we had to stay at Ethan Page's house. And when uh, two other guys, they tried to take the couch. Uh, but, you know, Dave and Jake, they knew right away. As soon as we got down in his basement, they're like, they didn't even say we're sleeping on the floor. They just took their place on the floor and went to bed. It was like they, they, they knew how wrestling works. And you could tell that by Dave, like, you know, uh, you pay your dues in wrestling. He's got the nine guys living in his house, all that kind of stuff. Um, so he understands the wrestling business, and uh, he can get along with pretty much anybody. How long do you think you would stay married if you had nine wrestlers living in your house? Oh, not long at all. <laughs> I mean, God bless his oh. his fiance. She deserves a a, a award. Has to get one. I mean, now it depends. Like if does it though? If he already had the nine guys, well, hold on. If if he already had the nine guys living in his house, and then he met his fiance, 
Like then it's like, okay, this is how I make my money. This is what I do. This is my job, my living. So she has to accept it. Like, it's almost like coming in. Like when I met my wife, I was already off of TV actually. And now I was just doing indies and, and stuff like that. And, uh, she didn't know me otherwise other than wrestling. And same with, um, you know, even my ex-wife too. I mean, I met her while I was still wrestling. So that's the only thing they knew when I was with like my girlfriend way back in the day. Like I said, <laughs> try that conversation. Hey, I want to be a pro wrestler. And she was supportive, but she knew life before pro wrestling. So it, it's different. Now, if he'd known her and he was, and he was like, Hey, I want to have nine guys live with me and we're going to do a re Then that's different. But right now, if I said to my wife, Hey, uh, I'm gonna have nine guys living here and we're gonna start a wrestling school and we're gonna train and wrestling, <laughs> wrestling, wrestling. She'd be like, This house? Uh uh. Like and, and my wife has been on the podcast before. So um, you know, she's <laughs> she's outspoken and stuff like that. And I probably would have to uh you know, do that in another house. How I'm surprised Dave doesn't have a side house. <laughs> side house. <laughs> yeah. His his shoot house. His shoot house and his workhouse. <laughs> there. <laughs> How's it feel not even to be your current wife or your ex-wife's favorite wrestler? That's it's tough. I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> it's 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 tough. I mean, my my. Can you tell me my um current wife's favorite wrestler? Uh, I'm. Gonna, I know I can. I'm gonna guess. It's gonna be a guess. Maybe I know it. Uh, and it's remember when we played the game, it was the only person she actually knew and named and said she loves him. I'm gonna guess Roman Reigns. No, no, who, who absolutely is, not. She 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 does not know who Roman Reigns is. If we showed, if I showed a picture right now, you know, we gotta we gotta have her on again, Dennis. You, you know what? New pictures. I, I've actually had people say uh, I did a podcast, my second ever guest appearance on the podcast. By the way, uh, I I told a lot of great stories. Um, young 10 year old boy I'll pull up the name of the podcast here in a couple minutes and plug it at the end but they, they you know uh, it's it's a father a son and then a 4 year old all do a podcast together which it's phenomenal you're now booked on it uh, sometime in the future when you come back from Mexico you'll have fun but uh, before we started recording the dad said I, I gotta tell you my favorite thing is in the son's in the room. He goes, adult actress or wrestler, <laughs> and uh, he requested yep. that we bring that back. So it'll be one uh, w one of the games. If we come up with a new one, great. Um, I really like the one um, where we show her the picture and stuff. But yes. anyways, can you guess? It's not Roman Reigns. Can you guess somebody else? Classic or current? Uh. It's the rock. I would say he's no. Well, who? Um, I would say he's currently on the roster, but he just hasn't been around that much lately. Big show. No, John Cena. She loves John Cena, you know, but she looks at him as a person like he JBL? has like a, a, a world record for like make a wish foundation and sees her sees him on uh, totally divas and stuff like and then, you know, he's showing up in some movies that we watch and stuff. So she loves John Cena. Hmm. That's her favorite wrestler. What's her favorite movie that John Cena's been in? Dude, I don't know. What movies has John Cena been in? Uh, he um, was in Blockers, Trainwrecked, 
Uh, I think it was uh, Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home. When he came in at the end. Daddy's Home 2, I think it was. No, so Daddy's Home 2, he had a bigger part. Um, and then Daddy's Home 1, he came in at the very end. That's what led to Daddy's Home 2. 12 rounds? Is um, it 12 rounds he was in? No, nah, she'll, she'll watch more like the romantic com- like funny or romantic comedies. The like Marine? The train wreck or da- Daddy's Home. So she'll watch those. The Marine? No, absolutely not. That, that's a romantic comedy, The Marine. <laughs> well, in the eyes of the WWE, yes. Yes, the romantic comedy, sure. So there was something else I wanted to bring up before we wrapped up this podcast. Because I, I thought, so you are heading to Mexico here in a second or two. You're packing up. That's why we're pre-recording the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about your trips over the Mexico. What are some of your fondest memories? Well, I only been to Mexico for wrestling once. Um, we were in Monterey, Mexico, and I remember. I think I wrestled uh, in a three way myself, AJ, and Eric Young. I believe. I don't know if that was Puerto Rico or Mexico, but for the sake of this story, it was Mexico. And uh, <laughs> we do the match. It was it was great. Uh, I remember Kurt Angle <laughs> when we came to the back because you could you could see him like from where wrestling. He was kind of like at the gorilla position. He just set up a steel chair and started wrestling. He was in like or not wrestling. He started watching the match and he was in uh, full gear. When I get to the back, he's like, "That was great." He's like, "You know what? I just wish it was you and AJ out there." And I'm like, "No, Eric's great, man." He's like, "No, no, it's not that." He's like, "There's just something about singles matches, like a one-on-one match." That just seems more important than just having a three-way match. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I agree. Good point. Um, so I took that for what it was worth from Kurt Angle. Um, but I remember the next morning, uh, we stayed at a hotel, and we all were in the lobby. The, the night before, we were all in the lobby. And they were like, yeah, shuttle leaves at uh, whatever, we'll say 6 a.m. And we're like, okay, 6 a.m. airport, we're all going to be here. Because we all like relatively have the same flight-ish time. And then I was rooming with Rhino. And then Rhino knew 6 a.m. And then we get up at 6 to get down there at 6.30. You know, we get down in the lobby about 6.20. And we're like, where is everybody? 6.30 rolls around. Where is everybody? And then we asked the lady at the front desk. We're like, hey, um, did the, you know, impact shuttle leave yet? She says, yeah, they left at 6 o'clock. And we're like, or I don't know if I told the story right. Uh, anyways, they left a half hour earlier than they were supposed to, pretty much. But nobody told us the time. And then, they like, the time switch. And I'm looking at Rhino, and I'm like, are we stuck in Mexico right now? Like, are we really stuck in Mexico? And Rhino's like, no, we'll just call a cab. So Rhino calls a cab. He drives us to the airport. I see uh, Demora at the airport. And I'm like, hey, what the F, man? And he's like, what? We said... Um, Whatever time they said, they said, yeah, we called everybody and uh, said it was a half hour earlier because of uh, somebody's flight or whatever. And I'm like, nobody called Rhino or I, like our our cell phones at the time, like it wasn't international. They had to actually call our room and nobody called us. And I was like, Scott, man, that is not cool. Like we had to take a, like you left us in Mexico, man. And he's like, oh, we knew you'd be fine. I'm like, fine. I'm like, We're, you left us in Mexico. Like I didn't know how to explain it. Any, like he... He probably knew he'd done wrong, but he didn't want to admit it. Um, so, I mean, that's that's pretty much what happened to me in Mexico. Nothing crazy. Um, 
you know, I think we went out the night before the show because we came in a day early and, you know, we, we partied a bit like at the clubs and stuff, but we were with uh, other uh, Spanish speaking people like, uh, you know, LAX and all that kind of stuff. So we were good to go. As we wrap this up, I got to ask you, and this is kind of off the cuff. I didn't even think about this until while you were telling the story. But what? let's do a quick five-minute State of the Union on Impact right now. The ratings have not gotten any better, but the show quality, quality definitely has. Storylines have improved. The wrestling has improved. From what I can see personally, the, the wrestlers are happier because you have this open door policy of if you don't want to be here, go. Feel free to. Many have taken it up. Some people have come back. Uh, and, and stayed around longer than anybody has ever expected. I won't mention any names. So from you, with all your little jobs you do, from an agent to sitting in and booking, how do you feel right now Impact is has grown from, let's say, Slammiversary coming into Bound for Glory, which is their WrestleMania, and can they build off of it? What is... What's the future for Impact Wrestling? Just kind of off the cuff. Um, I would say it's good. I'd say we're still on the upswing from Slammiversary, uh, heading into Bound for Glory. Um, you know, I look at the Bound for Glory match, the match that people want to see, uh, Austin Aries versus Johnny Impact. I don't know if it's ever been done before, honestly. Um, but, you know, both great athletes, that, that's going to be a hell of a match. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a main event. And uh, just some other things leading into it, uh, what to expect. Uh, I don't, you know what? I don't know what they've already announced. And I know some things coming up the line, so I don't want to say anything. Um, I know that uh, I think we have one more, this Thursday, one more thing airs uh, that we already filmed in Toronto, and all the other stuff will be new when we do it uh, this week in Mexico. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say good. I mean, you looked at it um, a lot. There was a lot of representation for Impact at All In, so you, you know it's good because you look at a something like All In. All right, it's biggest independent like show. Um, they got the best of the best that weren't WWE and, and put them on a show. So it goes to show that you know uh, we're we're not shunned anymore because Impact always had like a little bit of a stain on it. Um, at certain eras of time. So it goes to show like, Hey, we accept you guys now as like the top of, you know, the, the wrestling world pretty much like n nobody's WWE, but Hey, you're with us, like the ring of honors, new Japan, all that kind of stuff. Um, you're with us. So it's good to know that, uh, we can do something like that. And especially with the Jericho cruise and all that kind of stuff where it's going to be impact versus ring of honor and all that. I mean, that's, that's some good stuff. So I don't know how anybody would say it's not on the upswing. I mean, our, our ratings are up a bit from, uh, from last year. Um, they continue to grow. Uh, we are getting out of the impact zone, which is, which is great. Um, well, I shouldn't say the impact zone because it's still the impact zone, but we're getting out of Orlando. So that's great. We're traveling around. We're doing uh, like we did Toronto. Um, we're doing Mexico this week, New York, um, coming up, uh, for bound for glory and the tapings after that, uh, we'll be in like Vegas back to Windsor. Um, 
I think this past weekend we were represented in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jody Fleish and Johnny Storm uh, wrestled LAX and they had a hell of a match and there were some other matches and all that. But um, those are those are guys like a Johnny Storm. Like uh, when I was first like breaking in and going to England and wrestling PWG and all that stuff, Johnny Storm was around. Um, and, you know, and so was Jody Fleish. So uh, it's just... I think it's all good. I think it's all on the upswing. Um, you know, I don't know anything that's going on with that lawsuit or anything like that with Jeff Jarrett. I haven't heard much more else about that. Um, but I think that's where we're at right now. So you bring up the Jericho Cruise, and I'm going to have to ask you this. You probably don't have an answer. You're very good at not having answers to very good questions of mine, by the way. So kudos <laughs> to you. Uh, but the Jericho Cruise, you probably don't know a lot of the specifics about it. If you guys are bringing your own camera crew, if you're filming any of this, or if you can film any of this for your TV, what? What? What's up? You, you. Oh, I thought you had said something there. So, so oh, no, I just I, uh, switched my uh, earpiece. That's all. Oh, good. So, so you can hear this. I want to make sure you can hear this. Then, yeah. I, I was plugging it in to make sure I hear this. Yep. So you probably don't know if you're bringing a camera crew and if you're going to film any of this for your TV, but what are the chances on the Jericho cruise? Somehow you film something with Jericho and bring it back to TV. If that happens, do you guys tout that you have Chris Jericho on your TV show? Is that, is that bait and switch? Do, do you, cause I could see easily seeing something like that happen. Almost like having having Jericho on your TV through a technicality. Uh, Jericho is such a hot property; everybody wants him at this point. Uh, any any little way that you get it, I mean, Impact is advertising the Jericho cruise at this point. You know, Jericho has been on the Dugcast talking about how open he is, and that nobody from Impact has talked to him about coming over, which. I'm going to call shenanigans on that. I think there has been conversations. Uh, If you don't believe that, then I have a bridge to sell you. But as a, as a wrestler in impact, you've, you've heard and listened and you've been around. What is your opinion on this? Um, Will it be filmed? Whew. It's gotta be filmed, right? I mean, we film every wrestling show now. I mean, whether it gets distributed as like a standalone that's not like well, Impact or, or ROH property. Okay. Well, Jericho but, has said uh, he's not filming any of the Jericho crews himself because he wants people to come on it and not get the easy way out and, and stream it from home. You know, his main goal is putting butts on the boat. But, can, you know, with with that on Jericho, can you guys film a match for TV? Would you... Yeah. So, um, I don't remember the match. I don't know if like the Yum Bucks are facing LAX or I, I know it's like an Impact versus ROH. I I can almost say for certain that won't air on our Impact show, and uh, um, just because you know Ring of that's Ring of Honor's talent, um, they're not going to want their talent uh, on our show, right? And I don't know. We used to feel that way when I I used to work back in the day. Uh, with Impact, we wouldn't want our talent on other TV shows. But I don't even really know how we feel about that anymore. We might say, 
yeah, go ahead. Cause it gets more exposure for our talent, like on multiple, uh, television. So, um, I just don't see that happening as for, Hey, we filmed something with Jericho and then, uh, put it on our TV show. Now that's, we can't just do that well, <laughs> and you have say, how we got the footage and we we need Jericho's consent. Right. Obviously. So if for whatever reason we film something and with Jericho in it and it airs on our television show, that means that Jericho has gave his consent. Like, yep, you can use that footage on our TV, on the impact TV show. Um, and yeah, of course we're going to, we're going to show it. Right. I mean, we did the same thing with Curtis Granderson, um, at Slammiversary. Like we had him, uh, get involved in the main event because we knew that was going to be a part of ESPN. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, for more exposure and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it was set up that way and we were, ESPN was waiting for the footage. Like, Hey, we're going to have footage of this happening. Okay, great. You know, here it is. So, you know, we might already have something in the works where that's going to happen. So, um, that's, that's going to be a yes and no. And maybe I guess Dennis, because I, I told you things that aren't going to happen. You won't see. Um, well, I don't think anyways, and things that could possibly happen. And what can you tell us, uh, finally wrapping this up about impact and ring of honors relationship? I don't know if you've been uh, privy to any of those conversations, You've recently said in the past that, you know, Impact is working on their relationship with other organizations. It was a icy, at best at one point, uh, relationship with Ring of Honor. Have you heard, maybe through the grapevines, that phone calls have been made, uh, overtures have been presented? What has Impact done to get in the good graces of Ring of Honor? Because up until now, you haven't really seen impact and ring of honor working together until this cruise. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to say it's, it's better than it's, than it's been before. I mean, back in, Oh, what year was this? So back when I started there in 2004, um, a lot of guys were, were doing both impact ring of honor. And this is when ring of honor. I don't think they had a TV show. It's just, you know, they, they had the big distribution of DVDs. Um, and that went on for quite some time. And then all of a sudden impact said, Hey, uh, our contract talent can't work for Ring of Honor anymore. So that was like AJ, Joe, like Daniels, like, like every, everybody was working there. So all of a sudden you just gutted, um, a lot of like, they weren't, I wouldn't say they're the top guys ring of honor because they're the top guys at impact and ring of honor knows better than to like put all their investment in guys that they're not contracted with them. Um, but they were like a big like factor of the show. It's like they were like on almost every show. So I think that kind of left a sour taste in the mouth of Ring of Honor. And that was, even let's just say it was 2006, that was like over 10 years ago. Um, so I don't think the relationship has been good, uh, at least under the Dixie Carter power and all that kind of stuff. And I know, I know how Scott is. Scott has a good relationship. Well, an okay with relationship with ring of honor. Um, and I think they're trying to, uh, you know, kind of make it better than it has been before. Um, and I know for example, like coming up October 6th, uh, we're doing a one night only over in Windsor and Chris Saban's going to be there. Now I don't believe that part of it, whoever he wrestles or whatever he has involvement, he has in it 
Um, Chris Saban obviously contracted talent with Ring of Honor. Uh, that won't be filmed, that part of it, for the Impact show. That was, I think that was part of the agreement with Ring of Honor, just because he's one of their contracted talent. But, you know, they allowed him to, to go there and be part of the show because it's Border City Wrestling's 25th anniversary show, and Chris Saban, that's where he started, like Border City Wrestling. So, you know, Scott's trying to bring back all the guys that he's able to that were a part of Border City Wrestling and their development throughout the years. Uh, where's that taping going to be at the border city show? Is that back at the diamondbacks? No. So the border city, there's going to be two, the seventh, is it the sixth or seventh, whatever the Saturday is in October, that'll be at Windsor. That one place where we had the TV tapings at mm-hmm. St. Clair college. And I believe the next night it'll be in Detroit at that diamondback. Okay. So, uh, tagging, it's two back to back ones. Yeah. So tagging along with you, uh, we'll only go to Windsor one night and then Diamondback the other night. Yes, absolutely. Oh, it'd be nice to not have to drive 400 miles from home to watch wrestling finally. No, doing the tapings at Windsor, wasn't that great? Came back each night, went back the next morning. Yeah. I, awesome. It, I it, love having shows close to home. That's why I moved to Orlando in the first place for a year uh, when we used to film at, uh, down at Universal all the time. I was like, this is great. I could just drive to work every day instead of, waking up like before i should be waking up to catch a flight and uh just being all ridiculous just trying to make it easier on myself and you guys are totally done with orlando right uh as far as i know uh yeah i mean i haven't hadn't heard any plans to to go back uh i believe we sold our bleachers and stuff that were in there to some other buyer and um i don't even know if uh our lease may be up um yeah, I'm pretty sure. I heard of no shows coming up between now, and I think we have the schedule up until March. Nothing says Orlando. Does, so. it, does it worry you, though, when, or maybe it's just, you know, part of the industry now that you don't have a go-to home? No, I think it's fine. I think, um, and I, I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast before, but, you know, it's nice if you get set up, like, uh, at minimum four towns, It'd be easy if you had six where, and especially with our tapings, um, cause we tape every, I don't know how we do it. Like, uh, it seems like we're doing it once a month now, mm-hmm. but it'd be great if you could go to like, for argument's sake, like Windsor, Chicago, Philly, Cali, maybe Mexico, um, somewhere else you can't, wherever. And then just repeat that cycle. So, you know, and it's kind of like a WWE formula, like, you know, we're here in Detroit, if we're seeing a show in March, they're like, yeah, we'll be back in October. So they kind of hit up and do everything like two times a year. And that worked great for us. I mean, they have more content put out and stuff and multiple shows, but we have one show. And uh, it'd be great if we could just do a set of month tapings there and then move on to the next one. That way it doesn't kill the kill the town. And they're they're wanting it. Yeah, I can't wait to for them to be back in, in six months. And Ring of Honor does the same thing. Like they'll do this, the same loop. And they'll say, yep, we're back here in six months on whenever six months is from now. Well, I'm uh, I, I'm glad that it's working out. I, uh, hopefully you'll have fun in Mexico this week while you're gone. I'll hold the states down for you until you get back and uh, resume the normal podcast, my friend. Yeah, please do. I mean, uh, going. Uh, hopefully I come back alive, going to Mexico City. So uh, 
um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the internet's going to look like or anything. I hope nothing happens over here when I'm gone. Uh, I'll, I'll be totally submerged in impact wrestling. No, thank you so much, Pete, uh, for doing this a little bit early. We'll see everybody later. Pete, uh, say goodbye. All right. We'll see you.